uh, colors instead of having um, a color name, for instance, baby blue or black, white. Instead of having these names, they have a color code. Um, so the lighter the color is, the, the color codes are times of the day. Hello and welcome back to Corvinus Business Intelligence. My name is Theodore Boone. I'm co-host of this podcast and I'm a member of the faculty of Corvinus University School of Business. I'm joined today with my, with my co-host, Christoph Chardash, who is a student at Corvinus University School of Business. We're just delighted to continue our discussion with the co-founders of the cutting-edge fashion brand Z Times Z. These co-founders are Francesca Trochado and Barbara Emery, who also serves as CEO of Z Times Z. Francesca and Barbara, could one or both of you tell us what you found to be the most challenging aspects of starting and building your brand? Yes, hello, thank you for having us again. I think definitely the most challenging or one of the most challenging aspects of this business endeavor was definitely how new we were to the whole thing. Because when you jump into something, if, when, when you plunge yourself into such a project, especially when you don't have experience yet, you're not able to foresee the challenges you're going to face. You're not able to foresee the tasks you're going to face. And even though we knew more or less what had to be done and what didn't have to be done. Um, it was, it was, it was very, very challenging. All the processes we had to go through all the, all the stages we had to go through that we weren't aware that we had to go through just to give an example, for instance, we didn't understand how, how difficult it was, especially in Hungary to find a factory um, to manufacture our clothes, how to find suppliers, how to, Obviously, um, our brand integrates technology with fashion, so how to develop the technology behind the QR codes, um, all these different things from logo design to product design to website design. And this is something that obviously all brands have, yet you don't know how challenging and difficult it is until you're actually in that situation. And for a lot of different things, you need a lot of different people because obviously you're not a professional and expert everything so it, it, it those things were definitely the most challenging thus far but i'm sure that um, we'll encounter many more challenges in in the near future and uh what would you describe either of you as to date the most enjoyable aspects of your your journey uh starting up and lifting off and obtaining a, a initial cruising altitude? I think working together was definitely one of them. We enjoyed that very much. And also like seeing our products, like final products for the first time. It was a big moment for both of us, I think. Yes, definitely. And just a minute ago, I was talking about all the challenges that we faced. But in a way, the challenges are the beauty of it. And in a way it's the challenges that make the sense of fulfillment and achievement so outstanding. So it's, it's a bit paradoxical, but at the same time, it is these challenges and difficulties that um, we, we learned from. So those were definitely some of the best experiences in this whole. I guess the love for these challenges didn't just spike when, when you started the company. I, I assume that you loved companies and startups before. You looked up to some of them, maybe, some of the uh, CEOs. 
So what startups inspired you? Startups? Hmm. I think the biggest inspiration for both of us wasn't actually a startup, but more like a magazine. So we were reading the Forbes uh, 30 Under 30, which was a big, big inspiration for both of us. And of course, the Hungarian edition. And a concrete example from that magazine would be Shara Volom, who is the creator of uh, Photon. I think for both of us, she was very inspiring that at such a young age, she could create something worldwide. What did he create exactly, this magazine? She, no, no, uh, she, she is the founder of uh, Photon, which is an application that connects uh, photographers with uh, jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, is, is the work ethic of hers so uh, inspiring or, or did you, just the young age? The age, the, the gender, she's a female, of course. And that, yes, she could create something uh, so big at a young age from Hungary, uh, which which is now worldwide, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, just to mention another one, a very promising startup, you might have heard about it, it's Munch, which is doing like food catering when the restaurant is almost closing, so you can get the food for half the price uh, in the last hour of the restaurant being open. And it's, uh, it's run by university students as well, so same age as us. Damn. Wow. Never heard of it, but it's such a great idea. <laughs> can, I, can I just add something really quickly? Sure. Of course. Just to add on what Barbie has said about shadow and her age and, and gender and what um, Theodore asked before about the challenges. Um, it, it just, I was just reminded of, of, of the fact that I, I do think that our age and gender also to a certain extent was a challenge in building this whole thing, especially our age. And um, again, this link, this does link to a certain extent to our inexperience that I was talking about before. But, um, you know, when you, when you walk into someone's office that has been in this industry for 30, 40 years as a 19 and a 20 year old, it's not always, the dynamic is not always what you would expect it to be. And a lot of times we found that instead of, you know, encountering Uh, helpful professionals we actually encountered professionals that to a certain extent looked down on us and um, almost purposefully asked questions that they did know we didn't know the answer to so that wasn't the greatest feeling in the world but since we knew that what we were doing was innovative and was good we just kept doing what we're doing but the fact that not only in all areas did we find the support that we thought we would find that was also definitely a challenge well, I, I, I think if I can just add to that, I mean, there are many ways what you guys are doing are admirable. And, and one of them is, I think we all know to build a company as you are doing, you have to be extremely tough and you have to have a real thick skin. You have to be prepared to say no to a lot. You have to be prepared to uh, be able to enunciate your positions and your goals and why you think what you're doing is right and will be successful clearly and, and, and defend it. So what you're saying makes uh, perfect sense. Receiving questions that you don't know the answer to is, is I think, the greatest present that you can get from uh, experienced entrepreneurs because that's, that's the challenge. If you can answer those, then you can get on their level too. I would like to just ask, who did you receive these questions from? In a lot of ways you are right, because um, 
in a lot of ways, these the, these questions did kind of guide us into the direction that uh, we went on eventually. So when people asked us how how do our customers benefit from this, how how do they benefit from this technology, why why is this the perfect combination of clothing and technology, et cetera, et cetera. So those those were good questions. Um, but I have to say, we were also encountered by or confronted by questions that weren't as helpful when we did expect some. Um, in areas such as product design or, or, or accessories or stuff like that, that we obviously did not, uh, we weren't experienced in there, we would have expected more, more, more support that we didn't get. But you are right that, uh, that these questions were very beneficial. And that is in a certain way how we um, improve uh, our brand and our products. We, we, we listen to what people say, we listen to the criticism and we evaluate the problems we face. We look at whether there's a takeaway from that. And based mm-hmm. on that, we do improve our brand. So you are definitely right in what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, receiving criticism and design is just irrelevant to me because that's so subjective. Like you cannot tell a clothing brand what accessories they should put in the market. I think that's just not how it should be. Can we um, a little bit sort of go through the timeline, kind of the physical, practical timeline of piece of your product? So I'm not talking so much about the technology end of it, but the the literal object that you can pick up and and hold. Um, So let's start with the design stage of that. Um, How how does that happen? So first of all, we designed everything. So we didn't just order a jumper or crew neck from somewhere pre-made and put a QR code on it. Uh, We designed the sizes, we designed the little elements and accessories on it. So for example, on our pants, we have a a pocket with a zip on it. It's like a hidden pocket. So every detail we actually thought of and designed. And uh, from start, I think, First of all, we wanted to make hoodies, but then we couldn't find the right material for them. So that was a big shift in a shift in our brand and a shift in our products, I think. Then we changed the hoodie to a crew neck. But in terms of uh, timing, I think it took around five months to get everything right and to get uh, from an idea to a finished product. And all the the time, the other times we just... um, dealt with the background stuff like logistics, websites, social media, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you had mentioned the, the material for the hoodies as being a, a challenge and requiring you to make an adjustment. Um, how does that actual manufacturing then process work? How do you source the material, um, manufacture it? How does that work? So I think we went to all the suppliers in Budapest we could find. And uh, actually the last one was the one we, we chose at the end. And, and we found a really good material there. And then from that point on, it was easier because we just had to buy the material, uh, bring it to the factory, and then they could do the rest. Why did you consider it a good material? It checked all the boxes. It was uh, light enough. It wasn't that warm. We could put our QR codes on it. We could use stitching on the material. So, yeah. Uh, how did the stitching 
came to your mind, like Carpe Diem, how did that slogan just pop into your head? Well, Carpe Diem means uh, seize the day. And uh, we think that really reflects what our brand is about. So inspiring these young individuals to get together and to create something um, to really materialize their, their ideas and, and create new realities. And, um, and so we think that that matches very well with the brand's identity or, or what's also noteworthy and what uh, also links to the Carpe Diem collection name is the fact that each of our, each of our, uh, colors instead of having um, a color name for instance baby blue or black white instead of having these names they have a color code um, so the lighter the color is the the color codes are times of the day and the lighter the color is the earlier it is in the day and this matches with the seize the day kind of slogan so <laughs> it's all very intricately thought out um, which is obviously something we're, we're proud of mind blown that's that <laughs> such a great idea thank you uh, sorry i got a very practical question for you and again for our listeners we're speaking with Francesca Trochado and Barbara Emery, uh, the co-founders of the fashion brand Z times Z. Sorry, very practical question. The QR codes, how are they actually affixed to the material? And was it an issue to determine whether when you wash the clothes, the QR code is going to remain functional? Okay, so... The QR code is actually on a soft shell material. You can see it on the video, but it's like a 3D design. So it comes, it comes off of the uh, material of the crew neck and uh, the QR code is engraved into this soft shell material. So you can wash it as many times as you want. It, it, won't, it won't come off and the code itself uh, will not change. Thank you. Does everybody have a different QR code? Every shirt? Yes. Mm -hmm. Every single piece has a different QR code. But if you buy multiple items, then you can connect all of your QR codes uh, to one account. Wow. Wow. That's great. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, I mean, just to kind of um, uh, envision how this works, a, a, uh, a big fan of Z times Z who has a number of your products, um, is wearing one of them and they go to, uh, you know, let's say a, uh, a music festival, right? So there are a lot of people, um, there are other people wearing the Z times Z and it kind of acts, I think you use the word icebreaker, which strikes me might be a very good word. It acts as sort of an icebreaker and, and can develop further from there. Am I thinking of this correctly? Exactly right. Exactly. If I understand correctly, you just walk up to someone and the first conversation would be about their their main interests, I, I guess, because social media kind of reflects that. Well, if someone went to Emilio, our uh, close friend's Instagram page, everybody would know that he's a photographer and that would spike a conversation, I guess. Yes, exactly. But it's not only our social media platforms. Like we have a, a template mm. uh, where you can write about yourself. You can imagine this uh, whole QR code as a mini CV, but in a more fun way. So you can talk about yourself, your ambitions uh, and future goals, but also we have inside the QR code, a little icebreaker uh, where, we, where we wrote down some 
questions, like fun little questions. For example, how many hours do you spend on Instagram in mm. a day? And that's like the icebreaker part. So you can answer those as well. Uh, if you scan the QR code with your phone and look at your phone, it's, it's approximately one page. So yeah, it's like a mini CV. That's how we always describe it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you, you've given us an ideal way to get to know the both of you better. So uh, maybe I'll start with Barbara on these, these fun questions that you were referring to on your, your, your garments, your QR code. Could you go through some of the questions and the answers that you inserted for yourself? Oh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I think Francie has one of hers. No? Of course, or Francie. Okay, so for mine, the first icebreaker question is uh, texting or talking, and I answered with talking. And then the second one is, if you could get a, yeah, what would you call it? And I said, Z times Z. (laughs) And then the last one is uh, sunset or sunrise, and I answered with sunrise. And then I also inserted some people who inspire me. One of them is Ben Francis. And another one is uh, Stephen Bartlett. They both are CEOs of UK-based companies. And then at the beginning, beginning, I just talk a little bit about myself and then my future goals and ambitions. And that's it, basically. That, sound, that sounds great. And uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time for part two of this podcast with Z times Z. I think we're going to open up with part three with Francesca uh, giving us the answers to her introductory uh, questions and how uh, she responded to them. But I'd very much like to thank uh, my co-host for today, Christoph Chardash from Corvinus University School of Business, a student there, in our discussion with the co-founders of Z times Z, Francisca Trechado, co-founder, and Barbara Emery, CEO and co-founder of Z times Z. My name is Theodore Boone. I'm on the faculty of Corvinus University School of Budapest. We leave you today with these words spoken by Benjamin Franklin. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Thank you.